And when I reached about the age of 12 and a half, 13, I was solo expectation, so ready to go solo. Because of my age, I had to wait till I was 14 to go solo. I was just doing new stuff, so I was doing some aerobatics, learning how to do that, which I really enjoyed. Then um, on the 22nd of July, my 14th birthday, I went solo and uh, became the UK's youngest pilot. Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. My name is Chuck. I'm your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 81. Thank you for joining us for another great episode packed full of great soaring content. But before we get started, I do want to thank you for listening and continuing to support the podcast. If you haven't already, please go ahead, hit that subscribe button. And if you really like what we are doing, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Also, a big thank you to our most recent Patreon pilot, Christopher Stevenson. Thank you for contributing to the podcast recently. Greatly appreciated. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash soaringthesky. We have recently updated our Patreon page and added some benefits for those of you that want to be a member. If you don't want to use Patreon, you can still help the show by going to our website, soaringthesky.com, and hitting the support the show button. While you are there on the website, you can sign up for our newsletter that will be coming in the new year. This episode is sponsored by the Southern California Soaring Academy, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the high desert of Los Angeles County. Soaring Academy is dedicated to growing the sport of soaring with young people through its 8th grade STEM outreach programs and giving back to PTSD-afflicted veterans during private monthly events. Flight lessons and mountain soaring are available year-round to the general public, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. To learn how you can get involved, check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Soaring Academy or online at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. On this episode of the podcast, we first talk with Jack Jenner-Hall. Jack is currently Britain's youngest pilot. Jack recently flew his first solo flight in a glider on his 14th birthday. He is currently working towards his bronze exam while also learning glider aerobatics. One of his goals is to get more younger people like himself into aviation and show them that there are many affordable ways to get into soaring. Join us as Jack shares his aviation journey. Later on the podcast, Dale Masters, author and glider pilot, will share a new story with us called Communication Takedown. Our next guest, James Alagio, soaring from the Hawaiian Islands, joins us for our soaring safety segment as he talks about the importance of communication during a winch launch. We then close the show with Ulrich Beinert from Central Germany, reminding us how our feathered friends can help with our soaring adventures. All this on episode 81 of Soaring the Sky. Jack Jenner Hall, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Glad to have you today. How are you? Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Where are you flying out of? So I'm flying out of an uh, old RF base called Tibbenham in uh, Norfolk over in the UK. Can you describe that, what it's like to fly out of there? Yeah, no, it's really nice actually. We've got a lot of big uh, space. There's a lot of runway. Uh, Norfolk being the flattest county, or uh, as you guys call it, state in uh, the UK, uh, there's not much scenery around, but um, it's really nice. There's plenty of fields. We can we've got plenty of options if we needed to land out, um, and it's just yeah, a really nice place to fly. So you are um, at this point the youngest pilot we've ever interviewed here on Soaring the Sky. 
<laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, quite good, and I've become the uh, UK's youngest pilot since uh, going solo in July. Um, so yeah, it's a great achievement, and I'm really pleased about it. So how did all this come about? How did your aviation adventure begin? So when I was, it all started actually when I was about two years old, and I there's a little coastal town called Clacton, uh, Clacton on Sea in Suffolk, so the county just below Norfolk where I am. And um, I was two years old and went there, and it was my first ever air show I went to go see. And um, when I got there, I remember hearing over the PA, it's still in my head, it's, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the Royal Air Force Aerobatics team, the Red Arrows, who obviously they've been over to the States and they're very well known. And I I just saw them come over my head and I think something just clicked in my head, which was like, you know what, that'd be really cool. And I want to have a life and passion in aviation and take it up as a career. And then um, when I was uh, with the whole gliding thing, when I was about 11 years old, um, the tug and glider combination would come uh, over my house. And I, was th- I kept thinking, I'm going to go give that a go. I'm going to go give that a go. And then one day I gave it a go. Um, I went, it was a January day in 2018 when I went up to inquire at uh, Tibbenham and got all the information I needed. They were really ha- uh, helpful, you know, really easy to talk to. Then on the 3rd of February 2018, I had my first flight in a SZD 50 Puchas. Um, got winched up uh, to about 800 feet, straight into clouds, but it was the best five minutes I've ever had and uh, definitely a flight I will never forget. And then I was, um, because I was 11, I started at a very young age, uh, usually younger than they take on. And um, from there, um, I was just learning and getting ready to go solo. And when I reached about the age of 12 and a half, 13, I was solo expectation, so ready to go solo. But um, because of my age, I had to wait till I was 14 to go solo. I was just relaying, doing new stuff. So uh, doing, I was doing some aerobatics, learning how to do that, which I really enjoyed. Then um, on the 22nd of July, on my 14th birthday, I went solo and uh, became the UK's youngest pilot. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So how was it you became the youngest pilot? So you actually had some interviews there, local television, right? What was that like? Yeah, so it it was a uh, quite a big surprise actually because uh, there was we had uh, one uh, well the press secretary at my club uh, is called Andy Vidian. Um, he's sadly moved to another gliding club now. Uh, he was teaching me aerobatics at one point, but um, he got um, in contact with ITV, which is a uh, news uh, company in the UK, um, and we had like no, the local newspapers uh, like the Norfolk Eastern Daily Press, um, the Dis Express, my uh, local town newspaper, and uh, yeah, they I on my second solo uh they filmed it um without me knowing then as soon as i got on the ground i was suddenly straight into an interview it was like wow um (laughs) there was nothing to really describe it it was all a bit of a shock and it was overwhelming it's like okay i'm on tv now and um i remember like the i was telling my friends about it and the day after they were all sending me videos it's like i recognize you off the tv so yeah it was quite fun (laughs) so a fun question i like to ask and i know you're very young at soaring but you have a lot of passion and we were talking earlier about looking at different gliders. What would be your dream glider if you were if no, if money's no object and you could just pick any of them? What would it be? Oh gosh, okay. There's um, quite a couple of options. Um, I've always had a uh, well, me and I've got really good friends at my flying club called Tom, 
uh, we've always had like the talk is like oh what's our dream glider and we'd like to get into like a syndicate so like possible two seater like an arcus or a um duo discus xlt um but probably the nice high performance single seater is like the new uh, electric gliders which are coming in so um probably an ls8 neo or a js3 with a fez system nice yeah the electric gliders are very nice i've been looking at those and the technology is yeah is moving quickly and they're coming out with some really cool stuff they are it's really good and it's uh, it's probably gonna start to be the new future of self-launching gliders which would be amazing and also the self-sustaining gliders as well are you involved in anything with your local club where you're promoting gliding or bringing people out to the field to check it out um so we're um with my tv interviews it's done a, it has done a little bit of publicity publicity for the club um like i remember a couple of days after i went solo i went to the club went to go fly and we i had the trial flights come through and um i remember there was a couple of people there they were saying oh yeah we saw a young lad on the television we never knew this club was here then i peeked around the corner it was like i think that young lad might have been me and they're like oh yeah you're the reason you're the reason why uh, we found out about the club so i have done a little bit for the club and i hope i've done a little bit for the whole uh, soaring and gliding in itself like bringing it up and showing how amazing it is so what are you flying right now so um at my club we have uh two two seaters and um two single seaters so um i'm what i mainly fly is a schleicher ask 21 and uh astir so a grob 102 uh, cs which is quite nice to fly uh, it's a uh, definitely taught me that uh you really need to hold off on your landing because otherwise you will bounce along anything in that glider as far as avionics that you particularly like or maybe something that you would like to see in it that you don't have now um yeah so it's a very it's sort of very basic so we've got our asi you've got your um altimeter uh, you've got the vario and we've also got an audio vario in there as well and then we've also got a radio. But I think it'd be really nice to see um, some of the moving maps in there. So one of uh, some of the... Um, I don't know if you have it over there, but we have LX Avionics over here. And they've got really nice built-in moving maps, which you can do. And it's like a multifunctional. So they have to do like the moving maps in there. They have um, radios built in. And the flam built in as well. Yeah, we have flams in ours as well. And that would just be nice to see in it and modernize it a bit uh, yeah, I agree. The moving maps are very helpful. Yeah, especially um, we've got, because um, I'm going towards uh, the bronze exam fairly soon, and it'd be nice cause to do cross-country in case I get lost. It'd be quite handy. Yeah, that would be that was my next question, actually. Are you venturing out to do some cross-country? So you're just starting that? Yeah, so uh, in the UK, um, I wasn't aware of this until I joined one of the British Gliding Association's um, webinars, but... Um, it was originally 16 to do your bronze, but now it's been lowered to 14. Um, okay. And so I'm going ahead with that. But annoyingly, the cross country is still at 16. So I've got to wait till I've got, I've got to wait two years uh, to do that. But having a bronze would be great. But um, I'm, in the meantime, I'm going towards aerobatics. So I want to go and do my aerobatics badge and um, go, go through my beginners, intermediates, advanced and go and do competitions. So have you had any winch launches that were a little sketchy that maybe made you nervous or you learned something from? 
Um, so we do do uh, like so when doing the winch launch training, uh, we do do the um, launch failures, so cable breaks, power loss in the winch, and uh, I think the week actually before I went solo, um, I had um, the really low level launch failure, so below fifty feet. And that was very um, sketchy, I think, because it was it all happened very quick. It was quite simple to handle and do, but um, it was very quick, and there was a lot to take in very quickly. But it's you needed to take a calm head with you, and just know what you're meant to do, and get the glider down safely. So, can you walk me through that? What happened? So um, I wasn't flying because um, the low launch failure is um, below 50 feet. The instructor just does a demo, but um, doing it uh, was optional. But um, because he, it was the week before my solo, so they wanted just to make sure I could do everything in, in the air. So I didn't do it, but he demoed it. So we got it's zero to 45 knots in about two seconds, and then we got to the transitional period from pulling up into the full climb about 45 degrees. But as we started to pull up, he pulled the release in the back. So we lowered the nose very slightly, obviously, because we weren't far off the ground. So we didn't want to go to the recovery attitudes. Um, otherwise, we'd crash into the ground. Then he was maintaining speeds and just letting the glider come down itself. We're quite lucky at Tibbenham because we've got a lot of uh, runway. It's very big as it used to be an old... Uh, World War II RF base, so you just have B-17s flying out, there, out of there all the time. Um, he was just being very gentle on controls, not overcorrecting at all, and then just letting it, the glider come down itself, then we pulled the air brakes. You don't tend to pull the air brakes that low to the ground, obviously, because you don't have much height. So if you did, you'd come down with a quite a big thump. Um, so we, uh, as soon as we touched down, he just pulled the brakes and we came to a stop. But um, we came to stop and there's a cornfield um, the other side of the runway and our nose was just about to be in that. What is the coolest or maybe strangest thing you've seen either in the air or on the ground? So um, on my second solo, I actually had um, some, I was at three and a half thousand feet and we have RAF Lake and Heath and RAF Minhall um, very close to us they're both um, US Air Force bases based in the UK um, it was a very busy day for them actually we had, there was a lot of activity they were doing a lot of training off to the north great, uh, north coast of Norfolk and um, they were doing so air to air refueling and off my left wing I heard some noise and off my left wing I heard a KC-135 come shooting past not very far distance. It was. It could have been a bit dangerous, but I think that was one of the coolest moments I've ever had in the glider, um, and definitely one not to forget. Then we've also had some quite sketchy moments I've seen on the ground. We had uh, actually not too long ago. We had. Um, I was on the ground in the launch cabin, uh, talking down to the winch uh, about launching gliders, and there was a glider just at the top of the winch launch about to release, and there was. Uh, flight of four f-15 strike eagles which came over very low and um the pilot in the glider uh radioed down to say you yeah, know they were probably about 50 feet above us um enough to see the writing on the weapons oh wow um up there so that's probably one of the sketchiest moments i've ever seen uh flying do you have a mentor that 
really has helped you out a lot. Um, I mean, one of the questions I usually ask a little later in the show is, would you like to give a shout out to anyone? But yeah, is there a mentor that's really helped you out in your flying? Well, um, being at a flying club, there's a lot of people around, a lot of instructors and uh, a lot of people there to help. And there's been actually, a, well, I've, all the instructors helped me. Uh, like I had the a person who sent me solo is called Phil Sillett. Um, he's a really good instructor. He sent me solo. I've had some very good flights with him and had very good uh, flying experiences with him. But then I've had um, like a really good friend. I've mentioned him a couple minutes ago, a really good friend of my flying club called Tom. Um, he's been there before me and he's been solo for about two to three years now, I think. And he's, uh, when I first joined, he was there. He was showing me the ropes and then uh, on all the ground handling. And then when we started, uh, well, when I got learned a little bit, we started to be really good friends, actually. And we've just uh, gone from there. And then we've had, so our uh, chief flying instructor is called Mark. Uh, he's been really helpful. Um, he's been a really good instructor um, towards everything. He's helped me out. And yeah, there's a, all the instructors there have been really good and uh, made me a, a good pilot and made me a safe pilot and they've gone they've given me really good flight training and told me all their experiences and what's happened and now what not to do learning from their mistakes so i think that's really good so being you were 11 years old when you started flying gliders correct yeah how did you talk your mom into letting you jump in a glider at 11 years old and go flying i'm not going to lie she's uh, still very nervous about me doing it um She's known it's been a lifelong passion of mine to go flying and fly an aircraft on my own, which I'm doing now. She was very happy uh, about me doing it, and um, she's very supportive. She's been very supportive, actually, although she's uh, very scared, bless her. The first time uh, dropping me off there, she was very nervous and thought, oh, God, just call me when you land, just call me when you land. Um, But after uh, going so many times, nervousness went for her. But then once seeing my solo, she filmed it and I was just hearing her and she was crying her eyes out because she was really worried about me, which obviously is what happened. She's a nervous mother and she wants her son to be okay. Absolutely, yeah. But now she's getting uh, a lot better uh, with me going solo. She just, I need to to make sure she needs to know I'm okay. So uh, to let her know that I'm okay, I call her every time I land and say how the flight was and everything. And yeah, she's getting, she's getting a lot better with it. And we were talking earlier before we started recording the podcast and something very interesting that, that you were talking about younger people and, you know, money, it costs money to go fly. You know, we, we all know that. And one of the reasons I got into soaring was actually, I was looking for a cheaper way to, to fly and follow my dream of flying. But you had some ideas and some things you were telling me about cheaper ways to fly there where you are. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, of course. So, um, like, I know a lot of younger people who really want to get into aviation, but just can't because they think, well, I'm not going to be frank, aviation is expensive, and there are many aspects of it which are really expensive. But uh, soaring and uh, gliding, I feel like there's very, they're very affordable, and there's many affordable ways to get into that. Like, at my flying club, I'm on a scheme where I pay £55 a month, and in that £55, it includes 10 flights. So about I can go up there about five times, and each time I could fly about two times. Um, and it, on each flight, it 
gets you up to half an hour of free flying time. So it is really affordable and a, and it's a really flexible uh, plan. So I, I'm i going to be honest, I really don't come from a financially gifted background. Like it's just me and my mum at home. Um, and it's always just been me and my mum. My dad wasn't very good um, at a younger age. So he's gone off. Um, my mum has been really good. She's had 11 dro- jobs at one point just to keep the roof on her heads. Um, then after it got more stable um, got into flying and the affordable flying scheme came up and we thought that was a really good idea to go into and then the flying club they're really flexible with your payments Um, if you're late on the payments it doesn't matter Um, but obviously if you go over the like um, what's included you have to pay for that so if you want to have an extra flight it's about £8 for a winch launch and it's probably about 35p a minute so it's still not too bad actually from where i fly but i know many flying clubs in the uk they have affordable flying plans um which are similar to mine like many gliding clubs and especially in the british gliding association we have um the juniors page and the affordable flying ways um i'm not obviously i'm not sure all the details of every club of their affordable flying but i know most clubs they do affordable flying schemes um for people who aren't financially gifted and it's really good as well um and it can also teach uh you know younger people to if they're pay, if they want to pay for their flights it can teach them the worth of money and everything like it's i want to let people know as well that anyone from any background can get into aviation no matter who they come from um there's always a place for them and especially um there's always ways to get into one of the aspects of it. Absolutely. Some great advice. Always a way to fly. You just have to find it. Exactly. And seeing younger people uh, get more into aviation, especially want younger girls, actually, um, is amazing. Like, I was, uh, I follow the uh, Soaring Academy uh, in America on Instagram. I was seeing there was a, uh, I can't remember what her name was, but there was a younger girl on there who uh, was taking up flying. And I thought, that's absolutely amazing, seeing younger, like, because, I'm not going to lie, again, aviation is a male-dominated area, and I feel like there needs to be a lot more females getting into aviation. And at my flying club, we've had some new members uh, who are fe- uh, girls, and they've been really welcome. And I think it's actually great because it's brought more um, diversity to the club. And, it's yeah, it's amazing to see fe- uh, girls getting, getting into aviation. So you follow the Soaring Academy out of Los Angeles there? Yeah, I do. Um, and I was just thinking, uh, it looks great where they've come out of a uh, flight there. Like, I've always wanted to go to America and like go towards uh, Los Angeles. And uh, if I ever went to Los Angeles, I'd definitely go out there and have a couple of flights. Well, we'll have to talk uh, after the show because they're good friends of mine. And I'm sure they would love to have you there in California to do some soaring. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, that'd be great. So I'd, I'd like to ask, are there any birds that you've soared with any particular memory that strikes you yeah so um actually with um it was pre-solo um it was april so only the start of the soaring season and i remember i was really scratching to find a thermal um but then we had some buzzards uh, well i'm not sure if we got have buzzards over in the us but in the uk we have a lot of them yes and they they liked i feel like they like to play games with us because they can always find the best part of the thermal and then there's us really scratching hard but i remember there was probably about six of them in the same thermal i had about two in front of me a couple off to my right wing and then i remember looking as back as far back as i could i remember seeing a couple behind me and just going up and up and up and that was amazing 
Um, and I've also had some red kites fly with me. Uh, I was in a streak of lift, and they're also following the streak, so that was quite fun. There's been seagull. There's really not <laughs> in Norfolk. There's not really many amazing birds, but then we've had like the common seagulls. Um, they'll come and fly with you um, and kind of laugh at you because they they're also very good at thermaling. So if you're finding it really hard, they'll just shoot up and just laugh in your face, basically. <laughs> So, Jack, what is your future plans in aviation? So, um, ever as going back to the whole Red Arrows thing, um, when I was little, I've always wanted to um, have a job uh, as a pilot. And originally it was for many years to go into the Royal Air Force and go be a fighter pilot. But then I thought it was going to be like a cool job and everything. But then the term, like I came to terms with it, it's actually you're probably going to be deployed into a war zone and that's not really me. Uh, that's not something I'd be prepared to do. So I really want to go into commercial flying, um, going into the airlines, uh, taking people on holidays. And um, I, yeah, I really want to pursue that. But um, obviously it costs a lot to get into that. So I'm saving up a little bit to put towards it. Um, but that, yeah, that's definitely the ultimate goal. Well, now speaking of saving up and money, you did start a blog, right? And that to help. Yeah, I did. So I've started a little bit of a blog. It's almost like a little, uh, almost e diary uh, of all my flights. Obviously, I'm I haven't put much on there yet because uh, the UK we're currently in the second lockdown, so flying stopped. But fingers, uh, it ends fingers crossed in about twelve, eleven days, um, and we'll be, we'll be able to get back flying. Um, but it's almost just like a little, to sh- well, it's a little thing to show what how my flights have been, what I've done, um, and it's just to like help people as well uh, find out what gliding's like. And I've also uh, created like a little um, online shop on there. It's like a little bit of clothing. It's the, it's called the sky the shops called the sky's limit, and it's ways of pe- if people buy the products. I only it's on a website called Teespring. Um, we don't really get the. I don't get much profit off it, obviously, because they've got to do the shipping and obviously making the clothing. Um, I've also got some canvases on there, but that's going all towards the flying and uh, raising money for it. Well, you're already an entrepreneur, so that's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, no, I'm hoping uh, to get a little bit of money from it and put towards flying, especially like as I want to go towards um, aerobatics. That's quite the expensive part of gliding because I have to get aerotoes up, which uh, are more expensive than winch launches. So that definitely all goes towards that. Well, we'll put the blog in the show notes, but what is the blog? Uh, it's called The Sky's the Limit and uh, its uh, webpage is www.jackjennerhall.com and that's the link towards it. All right. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And they can also go to soaringthesky.com and we have a pilot page and I'll be adding you to the pilot page as well. You know, awesome. Thank you. And that'll, that'll be great because I, I really want to get um, a lot more people on there and looking at it. And I've also, I also got a uh, like a little chat room on there uh, where you can it message me directly. And if uh, people want to ask me questions about how I got into flying or ways I can help them get to flying. So the affordable, as I, we've mentioned before, the affordable flying, um, younger people into aviation, you know, flying clubs, what they're like. I'd be really happy to help and help them get into aviation. Thank you. That is a great idea. Yeah, and I, it's just I want I want to help people get into aviation because I know it's it's been probably the best choice of my life so far, and to help people make that choice 
for for themselves is yeah it's, it'll be amazing too jack thank you so much for joining us on the podcast here today it's been great to hear your story and like i said you're the youngest pilot we've interviewed and you have a lot of great plans for the future and some great ideas keep it up i love the fact that you're helping other people find out about soaring so keep on going yeah awesome thank you for having me it's been amazing Hi, it's Natalie Flygirl Kelly. And Fly Alyssa. We are female pilots, aviation lovers, and hosts of the podcast, Cockpits and Cocktails. We use this podcast as a way of sharing our journeys in aviation and allowing other females in aviation to share their amazing, inspiring stories as well. Please give us a listen and join us for this fun, informative podcast with adventure and humor weaved in. Blue skies. Cheers. And now it's Soaring Tales with Dale. Glider pilot and author Dale Masters brings us another soaring tale. This one's called Communication Takedown. A couple of different episodes that really did happen. Uh, the first I was uh, with a typical weekend line kid who doesn't get to fly as much as they'd like, but he's so exposed to it that he's always done very well. He's uh, I've never seen him do anything really wrong or failed to do what we ask, and he was uh, doing his pre-takeoff protocol, did everything exactly right, all the way down to what I always taught, the last thing before takeoff is stiff arm the brake handle one more time to be sure that's locked. He did that, and then he didn't wag the pedals, and I thought, well, maybe he's just taking a moment to really meditate, and that's, that's fine, but it went on and on, and it started to get boring, and the line the wing runner was standing there watching. The engine is running. So rather than just say, go ahead and rag your pedals, I just assumed he forgot that, and I wagged him for it. And we began to move, and everything was going fine. And we lifted off, and then one wing started to go down, and I expected him to correct, and he didn't. And now we're starting to move off the runway, and I'm starting to cringe, and I decide I have to take over here. And just then he said, uh, you're flying, right? Because when I wagged the pedals, he just immediately assumed I had control. And so the first half minute of the flight, up to 50 feet or so, nobody was in control of the glider. Just imagine. So flip the coin. Uh, we had a very busy afternoon one time. And we were behind schedule, of course. And then a group of people showed up way too late that they all wanted rides. That just uh, makes everybody hurry even more. And my, as it turned out, my last passenger of the day was a, uh, a Russian tourist who spoke a little English, but only if you speak very slowly. And I was in a big hurry. And I just quickly got him in the seat and said, don't touch this, don't touch that. Follow me on the controls, hopped in the back, and we started to go. And the stick felt a little stiff. And the more I tried to move it, the stiffer it got. And I realized, no, he thinks he's flying this. We're in the midst of takeoff. He doesn't speak English, and he thinks he's flying the airplane. So uh, the more I moved it, the more he fought against it. And by then, I had aborted it about 20 feet up. And as we went way off the runway to a place where we could land with the wings level, he was still trying to get back on the runway by moving the stick way to one side, which would have caused us a cartwheel. And there was no communicating until we got it stopped. 
But just imagine now, if two ordinary buddy pilots were flying together and each one thought the other was flying, it could get scary pretty quick. And then if they both realize neither's flying, it could just stay that way. That sort of thing has happened to me more than these two times, but those are the two really memorable ones where we were probably a second or two from becoming very dangerous, all because no one really established who's actually in control. Which reminds me of one other little detail. I like to always, if I'm flying with another pilot, I like to make sure we know, we agree, who's PIC, but also who's actually in control before starting. I think almost all experienced pilots could tell a story of both pilots think the other guy's in control. Thank you, Dale, for bringing us another story with Soaring Tales with Dale. And staying right along the lines of communication, James Elagio chats with us for our Soaring Safety segment. So winch launches, the good thing about how we operate the winch here is that we're in communication with them over the phone. And if the phone fails, we have the radio as well. So we have a backup. So we're constantly in communication with the winch operator. Uh, It makes it a, a pretty fail safe operation. So winch launches typically aren't very scary. They're very exciting if you haven't experienced one before because the acceleration is is quite phenomenal. And of course, you go from being on the ground in Hawaii to almost instantly being over the ocean and the mountains and watching the whales and you're with the birds. It's just, it's a wonderful experience. If you want to hear the rest of James's story, you can check out episode 64. That one is called Soaring in Paradise. Ulrich Beiner joins us now from central Germany for our tips and techniques segment, reminding us how our feathered friends can help us in our soaring adventures. It's the small things like you're looking for a thermal and you see the birds soaring. You head over there, you find the thermal. That's the one thing. But having found a thermal yourself, looking out the window and seeing a bird coming straight at you and joining you in that thermal because he sees you and he realizes that there's another bird there that's found a thermal, but it's not a real bird. It's you in, in your glider. So that that absolutely blew my mind. That really got me that feeling of, yes, now I really, I really am an animal that can fly. The place I live in, in in central Germany, we have uh, we have cranes that pass through here uh, on their on their seasonal migration. And there's a there's a funny story that someone called us up at the airport because uh, the cranes were were circling overhead the airport. And they said we have to stop flying because we were confusing the cranes on their on their migration. And we tried to explain to this person that, no, they actually they're there for the same reason that we are. They're using the thermals, they're using the ridge lift to gain altitude, to save energy. To hear our entire chat with our rich, you can check out episode 57, titled Soaring is Real Flying. Thank you for listening to another episode. It's hard to believe we will now be working on episode 82. And if you want to get a sneak peek, we are starting to give our Patreon members news on upcoming episodes and other benefits as a thank you for supporting the show financially you can start supporting the show for as little as three dollars a month by going to patreon.com slash soaring the sky or by going to our website soaringthesky.com and hitting the support the show 
If you're new to soaring and you want to find your local glider port because you want to take that first flight in a glider, you can go to ssa.org where you can find your local club. We hope you join us next time here on the podcast. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and happy soaring. If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com or you can send us a note on the website soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky. Music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Voiceover work was provided by Michelle Perez. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton.